y'all. Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 22, called The Man Who Knew Too Much. We start out at night. Sam is running from the cops. He hides in an alleyway and then enters a door labeled Deliver Entrance Only. He's inside a bar. There's a woman cleaning up. Her name is Robin. Robin says, hey, we're closed. Sam says, just give me a second. Robin says, sorry, pal. We open at noon. Sam says, look, you don't understand. A cop car drives slowly past the window, which Sam moves away from. Robin says, okay, I think I understand just fine. Look, I don't need this kind of hassle. So seriously, just get the hell out. Sam says, please, please, just give me a minute to think. That's all. Then I'm out of your hair. Under the counter, Robin picks up a baseball bat. Sam says, one minute, please. Robin, uh, what? That's weird. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I clearly can't read my own notes. Robin puts the bat down and says, what's your name? Sam says, I don't know. Robin says, what do you mean you don't know? Sam says, I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember anything. And then we get our opening title sequence. The, where, where am I? Who are I? I don't know. <laughs> I know nothing about I. Yes. So uh, Robin gives Sam a drink and says, come on, you're dicking with me. Nothing? Sam says, I'm telling you. Blank slate. Robin says, well, you got a wallet? ID? Sam says, I wish I did. Robin says, okay, well, what's the last thing you remember? Sam says, uh, I woke up on a park bench, cop shoving a flashlight in my face, trying to take me in. Robin says, so you ran. Sam says, no, I uh, knocked him out cold, both of them. <laughs> no, look, I didn't mean to. It just happened really fast, you know. I think it's like instinct or something, I guess. Robin says, some instinct. Sam says, yeah, tell me about it. I mean, who even knows how to do something like that? Robin says, we'll get you to the ER. The quacks will hash it out. Sam says, no. Robin says, try, yeah. Look, the bats have flown the bell fry. You need to see a doctor. Sam says, no, I don't have time. Robin says, time for what? Sam says, look, it's hard to explain. I just feel like I have to be somewhere. There's something I got to stop. Robin says, oh, like a wedding? A train? Sam says, no, something important. Something like life or death. I like how he's like, a wedding's not important. I know, right? No, I don't yeah. care about that. You know, like, yeah. that's, that's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Robin says, okay, hey, hey, just relax. You know, you can't just poop it out, so it'll come to you. <laughs> Sam notices a, a book. Sentence. Uh, you can't just poop it out. <laughs> exactly. Um, Sam notices a book on a nearby bookshelf and picks it up. It's The Haunter of the Dark by H.P. Lovecraft. Robin says, what is it? He shows her the book, and she says, are you a horror fan? Sam says, yeah, I think so. I really think so. Something about this. Then Sam has some memory flashbacks. In one, Bobby says, Phillips ain't his last name. It's Lovecraft. He sees Dean outside of the hospital. He sees himself getting jumped by a demon. He sees Balthazar. And then the flashback ends and Sam is slumped over, but okay. Robin says, hey, seriously, we are taking you to a doctor. Sam says, have you got a computer? Robin says, what? Sam, Sam finds the Night Owl Hotel uh, on Robin's computer and says, uh, that's it, it exists. Look, two towns over. Robin says, what, you think you're staying in this dump? Sam says, maybe. Robin says, oh, maybe you're a hooker. <laughs> Sam says, well, I guess we'll find out. Robin says, hmm. Sam says, look, I don't know how to say thanks for everything. Robin says, where do you think you're going? 
Sam says, I'll be fine. Robin says, says the head case that just slumped over a minute ago. Look, is there any way I convince you to go to a hospital? Sam says, no, apparently I'm stubborn. Robin says, oh, well, so am I. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Robin says, so am I. I'm driving. Sam says, look, that's really nice of you, but not necessary. Robin says, really? Okay, look, your eggs are scrambled. Uh, Sam says, but, and Robin says, but nothing. Sam says, no, I mean, I'm just some guy. I could be anybody. You got to be nuts. Robin says, I've been called that. Look, if I let you go off alone, I won't be able to sleep at night. And honestly, I'm dying to know how it all turns out. So, yeah, that is a little crazy of her. I yeah, think. like, I don't know anybody in their right mind that would do that. Like, that sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah, I would <laughs> probably call 911, you know? Like, do something other than get into a vehicle with yeah, the person, you know? exactly, yeah. So we cut to outside the Night Owl Hotel. Robin says, so where do we start? Sam says, uh, ground floor, corner room, nearest to the fire escape. That's the one I'd pick. Quickest getaway. Robin says, and why do you know that? <laughs> Sam says, I just do. So they go inside and find room number 107. Sam knocks, but there's no answer. And the door is locked. Sam says, hey, you got a credit card? Uh, Robin gets out her card and says, why are we checking in? Sam <laughs> She's says, like, hey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Are we checking in? Sam says, sort of. And he picks the lock with the card and opens the door. Robin says, dude, who are you? Sam says, good question. So they go inside and find the walls covered with pictures, maps, and newspapers. Robin says, this is all yours? Sam says, I don't know, I guess. Robin says, well, I love what you've done with the place. It's very beautiful mine meets seven. Sorry, I talk when I'm nervous. She picks up an ID from the table and says, Hey, well, I guess we know your name. Nice to meet you, Jimmy Page. She goes through the other fake IDs. She says, and uh, Neil Pert and Angus Young. Okay, listen, no offense, but I'm really starting to freak out. Sam says, you and me both. He notices a newspaper article. It says, SFU professor missing. The picture is of Dr. Eleanor Visiak. Sam gets another flash of memories. Uh, he sees Dr. Visiak. Sam collapses. Inside Sam's memory, we see Sam and Dean and Bobby walking down an alley. Dean says, where is she? Bobby says, she said to meet her here. I'll try her again. He calls her and they hear Eleanor's phone nearby. Uh, they, rush they rush over to it and find Eleanor sitting on the ground. She's hurt and bloody. Bobby kneels down in front of her. Bobby says, El? Eleanor says, hey, I guess I could have used your help after all. Bobby says, just be still. Sam says, what happened? Eleanor says, they took me. I got away. Bobby says, oh, Ellie, what have they done to you? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, bless you. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> that was a good um, one. <laughs> Eleanor says, everything. The demon I could have handled, but when the angel stepped in. Okay, that really breaks my heart. What? That Cass, like, tortured her. Yeah. To get information. That really, really pisses me off. Well, he's a dummy. Yeah. She says, I told him, body. Body? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> Bobby the body. Okay. <laughs> okay. She says, I told him, Bobby. They have enough to crack purgatory wide open. Bobby says, tell me. I need to know. Eleanor says, they need virgin blood. That's a milk run for them. And they need the blood of a purgatory native. And well, they've got plenty of that now. Dean says, have they opened it yet? 
Eleanor shakes her head and says, tomorrow, the moon, an eclipse. I'm sorry, Bobby. Bobby says, no, it's okay. It's okay. Eleanor says, I'm sorry, really sorry. Bobby says, tell us where they are. But Eleanor dies. Bobby says, L. Bobby closes her eyes. Cass appears behind the boys and says, I'm sorry this had to happen. Crowley got carried away. Bobby says, yeah, I bet it was all Crowley, you son of a bitch. He tries to go after Cass, but Sam and Dean restrain him. Dean says to Cass, you don't even see it, do you? How totally off the rails you are. Cass says, enough. I don't care what you think. I've tried to make you understand. You won't listen. So let me make this simple. Please go home and let me stop Raphael. I won't ask again. Dean says, well, good, because I think you already know the answer. Cass says, I wish it hadn't come to this. Well, rest assured, when this is all over, I will save Sam, but only if you stand down. Dean says, save Sam from what? Cass disappears. He reappears behind Sam and touches Sam's head. A bright light fills Sam's vision. Uh, the memory ends, and Sam is in the hotel room with Robin. Robin says, hey, are you okay? Sam says, Sam, my name is Sam. Robin says, so what else do you remember? Sam says, well, it might sound pretty strange if I said it out loud. Robin says, oh, it couldn't get any stranger. Sam says, yeah, don't be so sure. Look, I don't know. I mean, it's all pretty spotty, you know? I just remember I was with two guys. One was like a male model type. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> nope. And the other was an older guy, uh, Bobby. He picks up an address book and pages through it. Robin says, okay, what are you looking for? Sam says, here, Bobby Singer, this has to be it. Robin says, is there a phone number? Sam says, no, just an address, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Robin says, South Dakota? Okay, listen, Sam. Sam, right? Sam says, yeah. Robin says, look, I'm really sorry, but this is where I got to get off. Sam says, oh, no, of course, no problem. Robin says, okay, well, how are you going to get there? Sam sees some keys on the table and picks them up and says, I guess I'll take my car. <laughs> So they go outside and Sam sees the Impala. Sam says, that's mine. Robin says, are you sure? Sam says, oh yeah. Robin says, look, Sam, I don't feel right about you going off like this. Sam says, oh look, don't worry. You've done way too much for me already. Robin says, that's not what I mean. What I mean is I've got a bad feeling, you know, with those IDs and that shady ass hotel room. Whatever you're looking for, you might not like what you find. Sam says, what other choice do I have? Robin says, you could stick around here a little bit longer. I mean, get your head straight instead of going off, flying blind into. Sam hears a gun cock and slams Robin down on the ground as someone shoots at them. Uh, Robin says, what the hell was that? Sam says, stay down. He looks at the shooter and the person looks exactly like Sam. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> Rom <laughs> Robin, I just called her Rom. <laughs> Robin says, Sam, Sammy. And then we cut to inside Bobby's panic room. Sam is actually unconscious on the bed. Dean says, Sammy, come on, snap out of it. Uh, Bobby walks in and asks, anything? Dean says, I can't just sit here, Bobby. I've got to help him. Bobby says, Dean. Dean says, you know, dreams, dreamscape his noggin, something. Bobby says, you know what Cass did. The dam inside your brother's head is gone and all hell's spilling loose. We don't know what's going on inside. Dean says, I don't care. We've got to do something. Bobby says, and we will, but right now we got 16 hours till they pop purgatory. I'm down one man. I can't afford to be down two. Dean says, yeah, and how's that going, huh? We got no line on Crowley. We got no line on Cass. Balthazar's MIA. MIA. I mean, all we've got is Sam going through whatever the hell this is. Bobby pours Dean some whiskey and says, you know, this is exactly what Cass wants, for you to fall to pieces. Just try to think of what Sam would want. 
Dean says, find Cass, Bobby. Find him now. So we cut to inside Sam's dream. He's driving and Robin is in the passenger seat. Sam says, do you smell whiskey? Robin says, okay, Sam, would you focus? Sam says, yeah, sorry. Robin says, okay, so who shot at us? Sam says, I didn't really get a good look. Robin says, okay, we got to go to the cops. Sam says, no, if we can just get to my friends, they can help us. I know it. Robin says, okay, you don't know if they're your friends, okay? You don't know anything about anything. Just turn around. Sam says, no, look, you're safer with me. Robin says, how do you know that? You're scaring me. In the panic room, Dean opens one of Sam's eyes and shines a flashlight on it. In Sam's dream, Sam is momentarily blinded by a bright light. He, sl <laughs> he slams him. That'd be, <laughs> I kind of like, huh. that would be interesting. Like if I was ever in a coma, like I would want somebody to try that and just to see like <laughs> if I would see it, you know, or know yeah. if that would make a difference, you know, like obviously I wouldn't be able to say anything until I woke up from said coma, but still. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be super interesting. Um, so Sam slams on the brakes and the car stops. Suddenly it's daytime. Sam says, what? No way. And they get out of the car. Robin says, what was that? <laughs> Sam says, what do you mean? It's daylight. Robin says, yeah. Sam says, it was night and now it's day. Robin says, it was always day. Sam says, no, 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 it wasn't. What the hell is going on here? And then Sam hears something moving in the woods next to the road. Robin says, okay, so I am all filled up on crazy for today. You know what, Sam? I'll see ya. And she goes to walk away. Sam says, wait, wait, okay. She stops and turns around and Sam says, get in the car. And he nods towards the woods. So she gets back in the car. Sam opens baby's trunk and sees all the weapons. He says, wow. He takes out a pistol and a shotgun and then walks into the woods with a shotgun in hand. His double is hiding behind a tree that Sam walks by. Then the double gets behind Sam and puts a gun to Sam's head. Sam turns around quickly, but soulless Sam grabs his shotgun and hits Sam in the head with it. He empties the gun of its shells and throws the gun away. Soulless Sam says, my God, am I really that gawky? <laughs> Sam says, this is impossible. Soulless Sam says, cold, try again. Sam says, I'm, uh, I'm hallucinating. Sola Sam says, warmer, but see, normally you're awake when you're tripping balls. Sam says, I'm dreaming. Sola Sam says, and someone just won a copy of the home game. We're inside your grapefruit, Sam. Son, you've been juiced. Sam says, I don't remember anything. Sola Sam says, well, your BFF cast brought the hell wall tumbling down, and you, pathetic infant that you are, shattered into pieces. He points at Sam and says, peace. He points at himself and says, peace. Sam says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Sola Sam says, why would you? You're jello, pal, unlike me. Sam says, what are you? Sola Sam says, I'm not handicapped. I'm not saddled with a soul. In fact, I used to skipper this meat boat for a while. It was smooth sailing. I was sharp and strong. That is till they crammed your soul back in. Now look at you. Same misty-eyed milksop you always were. That's because souls are weak. They're a liability. Now, nothing personal, but run the numbers. Someone's got to take charge around here before it's too late. He cocks his gun. Sam runs away, and Solus Sam shoots but misses, so he follows Sam. Solus Sam says, come out, come out wherever you are. Sam hides behind a rock next to a tree, and Solus Sam appears. Sam ducks and hides, and then Solus Sam sees Sam's jacket behind the rock. He shoots at it three times. He walks up and sees that Sam isn't there. It's just his jacket. Sam from behind shoots Sola Sam. Sola Sam falls to the ground and says, 
You think I'm bad. Wait till you meet the other one. He dies, and a bright light comes out of his body and goes into Sam. In the panic room, Sam convulses but stays unconscious. Dean yells, Sammy, Sam. Back in Sam's dream, he walks back to the car where Robin is standing. Sam says, I remember who I am, everything I did this past year, and I remember you. We see Sam's memory of Robin. During his soulless year, he was at her bar. A demon is holding her with a knife to her neck, and Sam is pointing his gun at the demon. The demon says, walk away or the girl dies. So Sam shoots Robin, and she dies. Sam says, there goes your leverage, and she, Sam shoots the demon. Sam is a little bit messed up. <laughs> that is super messed up. Ugh. I love like, this actress. Doesn't even care. He's like, whatever. You know? Yeah, that's like the way to, yeah. That's like in the movie Speed where they're like, shoot the hostage. Did you ever see Speed? No. Pop quiz asshole. Oh, it's such a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to watch it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. And very yummy, Keanu. I think you'll like it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. So, do, 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 do. So, back in Sam's dream, blood seeps through Robin's shirt. Robin says, Didn't I tell you to turn back that you wouldn't like what you found? Sam says, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Robin says, not as sorry as you're going to be. And she disappears. So we cut to inside the panic room. Sam is still unconscious. Dean is drinking. Bobby says, look what the cat dragged in. And Bobby is standing with Balthazar outside the panic room. Balthazar says, well, at least you mudfish finally got the angel proofing right. How's <laughs> Sleeping Beauty? You didn't steal any kisses, I trust. Dean says, what, what the hell? <laughs> I know. That is a little creepy. <laughs> Dean says, what the hell took you so long? Balthazar says, honestly, I was having second thoughts. Dean says, about? Balthazar says, about whether to help you. I was thinking maybe, maybe I should rip out your sticky bits instead. <laughs> Bobby says, and what did you decide? Balthazar says, well, and he gives a piece of paper to Dean and says, Cass and Crowley are there. That's where the show gets started. Uh, Dean shows Bobby the paper. It's an address in Bootback, Kansas. Dean says, all right, we'll give us a minute to pack up and then zap us there. Balthazar says, oh, no, 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 I don't think so. Dean says, Balthazar. Balthazar says, I'm betraying a friend here, a very powerful friend. We all are. So I think I've stuck my neck out and far enough already. Good luck. And Balthazar whooshes away. We cut to inside Crowley's laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> Cass is there. Uh, Crowley walks in with a jar of blood. Crowley says, your purgatory power shake, Bonzur. And he gives it to Castiel. Uh, he says, half monster, half version. Cass says, thank you. Crowley says, you seem even more constipated than usual. Maybe get you some colon blow? Cass <laughs> what says, is colon blow? Um, it is in the interesting facts. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, looked, I looked up the interesting facts to see if, um, uh, I can't remember why actually, but yeah. <laughs> colon blow. Okay. It sounds awful. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yep. So Cass says, I'm renegotiating our terms. Crowley says, is that so? What terms do you propose? Cass says, you get nothing, not one single soul. Crowley says, I can't help but notice, seems a bit unfairly weighted. Cass, you wouldn't dare. I brought you this deal. Cass says, you think I'm handing all that power to the king of hell? I'm neither stupid nor wicked. Crowley says, unbelievable. Have you forgotten that you're the bottom in this relationship? <laughs> 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 I really like that part. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Do you really? I mean, okay. We don't need to think about that. Okay. <laughs> nope. 
Cass says, here are your options. You either flee or you die. Crowley says, we made a pact. Even I don't break contracts like this. Cass says, flee or die. Crowley says, boy, you just can't trust anyone these days. And Crowley disappears. Cut to inside Sam's dream. He's in Bobby's house. It's very dark. And he approaches someone sitting at a desk. We can't see the person's face. Sam says, hey, hey. And it's tortured Sam. His voice is very weak. Tortured Sam says, oh, hi, Sam. Sam says, so which one are you? Tortured Sam says, don't you know? He stands up and his face is covered in blood. He says, I'm the one that remembers hell. Very sad and bloody, Sammy. I know. Very pathetic. I don't, I don't like it. No. So we cut to inside Bobby's panic room. Bobby packs a bag and says to Dean, time's up, Dean. Dean says, yeah, just a second. Uh, all right, this is where we're going to be, Sam. You get your lazy ass out of bed and come meet us. Sammy, please. He gets up, puts the paper down next to Sam with a gun on top of it and leaves. Back inside Sam's dream, tortured Sam says, I wish you hadn't come, Sam. Sam says, I had to. I'm here, right? Out in the real world? I'm at Bobby's, aren't I? Tortured Sam says, how do you know? Sam says, this whole time, I've smelt nothing but Old Spice and whiskey. <laughs> Figured if I could get back here, back to my body, I could, I don't know, I could snap out of it somehow. Tortured Sam says, but first you have to go through me. Sam says, why? Tortured Sam says, Humpty Dumpty has to put himself back together again before he can wake up, and I'm the last piece. Sam says, which means, I have to know what you know, what happened in the cage. Tortured Sam says, trust me, you don't want to know it. Sam says, you're right, but I still have to. Tortured Sam says, Sam, you can't imagine. Stay here. Go back. Find that bartender. Go find Jess, but don't do this. I know you. You're not strong enough. Sam says, we'll just have to see. Tortured Sam says, why is this so important to you? Sam says, you know me. You know why. I'm not leaving my brother alone out there. Tortured Sam walks towards Sam. He picks up a knife and Sam points the gun at him. Tortured Sam says, I'm not going to fight you. He holds out the knife, handle first, and says, but this is your last chance. Sam lowers his gun and takes the knife. Tortured Sam says, good luck. You're going to need it. So Sam stabs Tortured Sam, who falls down and dies. A bright light flows out of him and into Sam. In the panic room, Sam convulses. We cut to Crowley's laboratory. <laughs> it's night. Angels guard the building. Cass is holding the jar of blood. Uh, Balthazar appears. Balthazar says, you rang Cass? Cass says, yeah, we have a problem. Dean Winchester is on his way here. Balthazar says, really? Oh, how do you even know where we were? Cass puts the jar down and says, apparently we have a Judas in our midst. In our midst. <laughs> in our midst. In our, in, in our midst. I just, I just can't say that word right now. They're very misty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a personal problem. <laughs> Balthazar says, holy hell, who is it? I bet it's that bloody little cherub, isn't it? Cass says, I don't know, but I need you to find out. Balthazar says, of course, right away, right away. Uh, but what do you want me to do about Dean? Cass says, nothing, I'll handle him myself. Balthazar says, Castiel, are you all right? Cass says, first Sam and Dean, and now this. I'm doing my best in impossible circumstances. My friends, they abandoned me, fought against me. It's difficult to understand. Balthazar says, well, you've always got little old me. Cass disappears. He reappears behind Balthazar and stabs him with an angel blade. Cass says, yes, I'll always have you. Balthazar says, Cass, and then he dies. Outside the building, Dean and Bobby pull up and baby. They look at the building. Bobby says, I count a dozen mooks, probably more. 
Dean says, demons? Bobby says, angels. Dean says, well, how the hell are we going to take out that many angels? Bobby says, we don't. We ninja our way in. Dean says, awesome. Yeah, till they hear your knee squeak. <laughs> Bobby says, what a jerk. I know. Bobby says, <laughs> Bobby says, shut up. Dean says, oh, what? Now you got thin skin? Bobby says, no, <laughs> shut up. You hear that? There is a loud, repetitive, booming sound. Dean says, what the hell is that? He sees ripples in a puddle from the vibrations and says, T-Rex maybe? The noise gets louder and louder. Bobby looks up and says, holy mother of... <laughs> a large cloud of demon smoke appears and flies towards them. Dean says, get in the car, get in the car. So they get in the Impala. Dean gets in the front and Bobby in the back. The demon smoke flips the car upside down, uh, then heads towards the building. Inside, Cass is looking at the paper with an incantation on it. He hears screams. Demon smoke covers the windows and Crowley appears. Crowley says, never underestimate the king of hell, darling. I know a lot of swell tricks. Now I think it's time we re-renegotiate our terms. Cass disappears. He reappears behind Crowley and Crowley turns around. Cass puts his hand on Crowley's head. Nothing happens. Crowley, has, Crowley says, sweaty hands, mate. Cass says, I don't understand. Crowley says, you can palm me all you want. I'm safe and sound under the wing of my new partner. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Raphael appears um, in a female vessel. Raphael says, hello, Castiel. Cass says, Raphael. Castiel says, consorting with demons. I thought that was beneath you. Raphael says, heard you were doing it. Sounds like fun. Crowley says, you know, Castiel, you've said all sorts of shameful, appalling, scatological things about Raphael. I found him her to be quite reasonable. Cass says, you fool, Raphael will deceive and destroy you at the speed of thought. Crowley says, right, right, because you're such a straight shooter. <laughs> she, he, has offered me protection against all comers. Cass says, in exchange for what? Crowley says, the purgatory blood. Raphael says, Castiel, you really think I would let you open that door, take in that much power? If anyone's going to be the new god, it's me. Cass says, he's going to bring the apocalypse and worse. Crowley says, hey, this is your doing, mate. I'm merely grabbing the best offer on the table. Now, you've had, now you have two options, flee or die. Cass picks up the jar of blood and throws it to, Crow to Crowley, and then Cass swooshes away. In front of the blood sigil drawn on the wall, Crowley begins chanting the ritual. Raphael waits next to him. Um, in the Impala, Dean wakes up. Dean says, Bobby, Bobby. Bobby wakes up. Dean says, come on, we got to go. So we cut back to the laboratory. <laughs> I'm never um, not going to giggle. <laughs> I know. Just so you know. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby and Dean enter the room. They're at the top of the stairs. Dean throws an angel blade at Raphael. With, with, with his back turned, Raphael catches it. With his powers, Crowley throws Bobby and Dean down the stairs. Crowley says, bit busy, gentlemen. Be with you in a moment. So we cut to outside. Uh, Sam is awake and sees the overturned Impala. He has a flashback of being on fire in the cage, then recovers and approaches the building. Back in the laboratory, Crowley finishes <laughs> the ritual, but nothing happens. Crowley says, hmm, maybe I did it wrong. Cass appears holding an empty jar of blood and says, you said it perfectly. All you needed was this. He puts the jar down. Dean and Bobby get up. Crowley says, I see. He goes and touches the blood on the wall and says, and we've been working with. Then he tastes it and says, dog blood, naturally. That's gross. Why, why would you just lick that? You know, like, 
<laughs> he just licks it. He licks it and automatically knows what dog blood tastes like. Like he Yuck. knows what every kind of blood tastes like. Ugh. Ew. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it either. <laughs> Raphael says, enough of these games, Castiel. Give us the blood. Crowley says, game's over. His jar's empty. So Castiel, how did your ritual go? Better than ours, I'll bet. Uh, a bright light comes from Cass. It fills the room. Dean, Bobby, and Crowley, and Raphael shield their eyes. Cass's light fades out, and he says, you can't imagine what it's like. They're all inside me. Millions upon millions of souls. Crowley says, sounds sexy. <laughs> Exit stage Crowley, and he disappears. Cass says, now what's the matter, Raphael? Somebody clip your wings? Raphael says, Castiel, please. You let the demon go, but not your own brother? Cass <laughs> says, the demon I have plans for. You, on the other hand. Cass snaps his fingers, and Raphael explodes. It was, it was kind of like how he exploded that one time, you know? It was exactly <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> it was like, hmm, somebody's a little bitter still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cass says to Sam and Dean, so you see, I saved you. Dean says, sure thing, Cass. Thank you. Cass says, you doubted me, fought against me, but I was right all along. Dean says, okay, Cass, you were. We're sorry. Now let's just defuse you, okay? Cass says, what do you mean? Dean says, you're full of nuke. It's not safe. So before the eclipse ends, let's get them souls back to where they belong. Cass says, oh, no, they belong with me. Dean says, no, Cass, it's scrambling your brain. Cass says, no, I'm not finished yet. Raphael had many followers, and I must punish them all severely. Dean says, listen to me. Listen, I know there's a lot of bad water under the bridge, but we were family once. I'd have died for you. I almost did a few times. So if that means anything to you, please. I've lost Lisa, I've lost Ben, and now I've lost Sam. Don't make me lose you too. You don't need this kind of juice anymore, Cass. Get rid of it before it kills us all. Cass says, you're just saying that because I won, because you're afraid. Behind him, Sam picks up the angel blade. Cass says, you're not my family, Dean. I have no family. Sam stabs, Sam stabs Cass in the back with the angel blade. Nothing happens. Cass, picks, or Cass pulls the blade out. There's no blood on it. Cass says, I'm glad you made it, Sam, but the angel blade won't work because I'm not an angel anymore. I'm your new god, a better one, so you will bow down and profess your love unto me, your lord, or I shall destroy you. And credits. So my thoughts are few. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, my first thought is that Sam, when he runs, he covers some ground. <laughs> like, I just oh, yeah. remember being impressed at the very beginning when he's like running around that like he's passing buildings very quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's got those long, long legs. legs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know all of, well, I shouldn't say all of the actors, but a fair amount of the actors from Supernatural did. I think it was the Seattle, was it the Rock and Roll Marathon or was it the, just the Seattle Marathon? Oh, I'm not sure. I think it was a Seattle think... Marathon. It was like a year or two ago now. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm kind of like, you need to keep doing that. <laughs> you would do quite well. Yeah. But anyways. And then also Cass is getting a little big for his britches. <laughs> yeah, he is. He thinks he's hot shit. And he's not really, you know, like... He just wants to defeat Raphael so that the apocalypse doesn't happen again or try to happen again. Well, yeah, but then he defeats Raphael in this one and yeah. he's still like, look at me, I'm the new god, you know? Yeah. 
Like, yeah, that's a little much. It's just kind of like, buddy, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, just because you're wearing pull-ups doesn't mean you're totally potty trained, you know? Yeah, he's just, he's like power drunk on all the souls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I get it, but it's just kind of like, dude, I don't know. It, Cass kind of bugs me in the last few episodes. Oh, yeah. He's he's getting on my noise. <laughs> oh, I still love him. I, I mean, still love yeah. you, Cass. I don't, I don't like, I don't hate Cass or anything, but he's, he definitely is, is a bit annoying in some of these episodes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, um, what was your favorite moment from this episode? My favorite moment was at the end, um, when Cass is all power drunk on being God-ish-ness, mm-hmm. um, and Dean is like trying to convince him to like power down. Mm-hmm. I really love that moment because Dean is like, doing his best to be like, you know, we were like family, like I can forgive you. I mean, he doesn't say I forgive you, but you know, he's trying to, he's trying to help out his friend. He's like, we can figure this out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So otherwise, you know, I didn't really have, I mean, I like that moment. I, I don't know that I'd really call it a favorite moment, but like, I couldn't really pull out a favorite moment from this episode. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what was yours? Uh, I think my favorite moment was when Sam was like, it was night and now it's day. (laughs) What's going on? Yeah. Like it wasn't like a super funny moment. It kind of was, it just, you know, and again, like this is like kind of what you said, like this episode didn't really have anything like that for me, you know, like, yeah, it was, it's a, it's a decent episode, but I'm not, I don't know. It's just, kind of a whatever episode mm-hmm. it was fun to see Sola Sam again I thought yeah. that was fun mm-hmm. you know um tortured Sam kind of made me sad yeah but I think that's the only time that we see tortured Sam really isn't it yeah I think so so yeah I mean I'm sure I don't and I'm just saying this because I don't remember but I'm sure there's going to be more like flashbacks for Sam you know mm-hmm. but I don't really like remember if yeah. there is or not you know so we might get little glimpses but I don't know. So anyways, <laughs> um, so for the interesting facts for this episode, um, it says while recovering bits of his memory, Sam describes Dean as a male model type. <laughs> um, Jensen Ackles actually did some modeling work since childhood um, before concentrating on acting. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Not surprising. No. <laughs> I mean, look, look at the man. Just Jeez. look at him. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, it says Crowley offers to get Castiel some colon blow. Um, this is a fake product in an, uh, sorry, in an SNL commercial starring Phil Hartman, which I don't know who that is. Phil Hartman. Um, so used to be on Saturday night live a long ass time ago. And I think that he is the one who got murdered by his wife. I'm almost positive. I'm going to look it There's up. a lot of people that have been murdered by their wives, so I'm sure. But, but like on Saturday Night Live. Wait, Phil Hartman. Wait, you mean actually on SNL he got murdered by his wife? Like as part of a skit or something? No, like in real life. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I, have no, I, haven't, I haven't even heard. I mean, the only Phil that I can think of that's like an actor slash character is what's his face from a modern family <laughs> that's the only yeah. film that i know of <laughs> yeah 
that was like a big, a big deal when it happened, hmm. but I was pretty young when it happened. So, oh, I not surprising wouldn't. that you don't remember. Yeah. And I've never watched SNL really. Like I've seen like an episode or two and that's it. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about it other than okay. making skits and it's all like live. So they can't break character or try not to break character anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I've seen, I guess I have seen a few like of the skits just on their own as like a YouTube video or something like that. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. What you should look up on YouTube is the Debbie Downer skits. Cause those are so fucking hilarious. I've seen a couple of those. I yeah, remember they were at like Disneyland favorite. and like eating a meal or something in Disneyland. And she was mm-hmm. just like, <gasps> you know, like the yeah. whole time. And everyone else in those skits just like can't handle it and laugh. <laughs> like they like break character and laugh and she breaks character and laughs. And it's just so fucking funny. I love those. Yeah. I've seen a couple of those. Yeah. Those are, those are pretty good. And the thing is, is too, with the thing about SNL is that some of those things aren't even all that funny by themselves, but the fact that they're trying to keep it together and like, they're kind of like feeding off of each other is what makes it funny to watch. You know, like if you just yeah. take that by itself, it's like, okay. Like if you were to take like one of the Debbie Downer skits by itself and it was like performed with no breaks and character or anything like that, mm-hmm. it really wouldn't be funny. It would just be kind of like, okay. You know, like yeah. it might be a little <laughs> every once in a while, but like not really, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you're right. But anyway, I should watch more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it says uh, the title is from the 1934 Alfred Hitchcock thriller, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Um, it says which Hitchcock himself remade, er, remade in 1956 as The Man Who Knew Too Much. Um, huh never even heard of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It says, while Sam is searching for clues as to his identity, he ends up at the Night Owl Hotel. Um, This is the same hotel where Sam and Dean stay in season six, episode five of Supernatural, Live Free or Twy Hard. Oh, okay. Which I didn't. That was in this season too. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't even know it. Um, It says the different Sams can also be identified by the choice of handgun that they use. Um, Sam with a soul uses his trademark nickel plated pearl handled Taurus PT 92 pistol <laughs> while soulless Sam uses one of several black handguns. Um, so I'm guessing not just the one, but both of the soulless or the soulless Sam and then, well, cause yeah, no, there's only, Oh no. Cause the one that shoots at them at the beginning there's yeah. the one that shoots at them when they're at the car. And then there's the one in the forest. Mm-hmm. And then there's sad Sammy. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think he has a gun or anything, does he? Um, no, he has a knife. Okay. Yeah. Um, it says when Sam enters the bar, he tells Robin that he was sleeping in a park bench um, when two police officers told him to come with them. And he then knocked them out. Um, this is a reference to the Bourne identity from 2002 um, in a scene where Matt Damon, who plays Bourne, is sleeping on a park bench. Um, when two police officers ask him to come with them, he, subsequ- he subsequently knocks the two men unconscious. I cannot read today. <laughs> That's okay. I'm struggling. Um, it says one of the names on Sam's fake ID is Jimmy Page, um, a guitarist and co-creator of legendary rock band Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of the names he uses is Angus Young, um, a guitarist and co-founder of ACDC. 
Um, and then the last name he uses is Neil Pert, um, which is the drummer of the rock band Rush, which I've heard of, but I don't think I know any of the music. I don't either. Um, it says, Robin tells Sam, this is all a very, a beautiful mind meets seven. Um, she's referring to the 2001 biographical drama about Nobel laureate. Mm. Yep. And paranoid schizophrenic John Nash and the 1995 psychological thriller about two detectives who are hunting a literary uh, serial killer. Mm-hmm. What's That's a literary a- serial killer? I don't remember him being literary, to be honest, but I haven't seen that movie in so long that I don't remember much about it, except that it's extremely fucked up. We should watch it. (laughs) But no, but like, what does that even mean? Like, what's a literary serial killer? Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, to me, if I think, like, I think about something to do with, like, reading, you know, (laughs) and I'm like... So a serial killer that can read, you know, I don't remember. I just don't remember. Hmm. I'll have yeah. to look that up at some point and see, see what that is. Um, you should look it up while I keep reading. <laughs> There's one more. Hopefully Your it won't take serial too long. Killer. Um, so it says when Dean and Bobby are debating how to breach Castiel's fortress, um, they hear a thudding and see movement in a puddle. Um, and Dean says, T-Rex, maybe? Um, he's referring to the sci-fi classic Jurassic Park from 1993, which I've also not seen any of those Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> I need to. I've, I've been on the ride in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've seen that, but I couldn't tell you if it was anything to do with the movie or not. <laughs> And that was, gosh, I was probably in like middle school when that happened. So, but anyway. Okay. I just looked it up and I'm not finding it like a definition of it. So. Huh. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm try. Cause I'm really like literary serial killer. No. Yeah. Serial killers. Um. What are the four types of serial killers? Oh man. But so it's based on the type of crime they commit, but it says thrill seekers, mission oriented, visionary killers, and power control seekers. But that doesn't have literary. What? <laughs> okay, Alex, what is a literary serial killer? <laughs> okay. What is a Literary serial. It's probably super obvious, and all our listeners are like, "Come on, dumbasses, <laughs> figure it out." Uh, mm. Oh my god, it's in a book. It's a serial killer in a book. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed of myself right now. Hey, I was halfway there earlier. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. wow. I knew I knew what literary meant, but I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why are they right? I'm thinking it has something to do with like the style the, of you know, like yeah. what like the style of the serial killer rather than like 
it was a serial killer in a book, you nimrod. <laughs> you know what? This is worse for me because I worked for a bookstore for 13 years. <laughs> so I am actually more of a dumbass than you right now. <laughs> I don't I think we're both pretty dumb. <laughs> I think there's no getting around that. <laughs> uh, let's oh. edit this out. Just joking. <laughs> I kind of want to because I feel like an idiot, but also at the same time, welcome to my life, folks. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. I swear I'm not that stupid. <laughs> I it's all right. It's okay. No, everybody's yeah. got to have their moments, right? Yep. Lordy, that took forever in a day. I can't believe, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm just going to move past this because it's fine. That's just, oh man. Okay. So, uh, so for our research today, we uh, looked up stories about amnesia because Mm -hmm. Sammy's got it. Um, And this is off of Ranker because we love them and they have pretty much everything. We've got a Ranker problem. They have a Ranker problem, but they have everything. That's the thing. They have it all. Everything and they're often humorous, which I appreciate. Yeah, I do like humor. I, yeah. I enjoy it. So, um, so yeah, so this is, uh, it's curious cases of total memory loss. Um, it says amnesia has been romanticized in films like the born identity, uh, memento and 51st States, but the medical conditions in all of these films are based in reality. Uh, sometimes the cause of memory loss is obvious like head trauma, but other times there are people who woke up and lost their memory with no clear explanation of how it happened. Sometimes the case is so curious that you wonder if it's all a big hoax. Uh, This list has some of the the strangest and most notable cases of amnesia. Um, It says, as you read these cases of bizarre memory loss, remember, any of these strange things could happen to you one day, too. Oh, man. (laughs) Great, thanks. Just throw that at me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this first one is is found naked behind a dumpster. Oh, no. Um, It says Benjamin Kyle was found naked and unconscious behind a dumpster outside of a Burger King in Georgia in 2004. Um, His physical condition indicated he probably suffered head trauma. He had no identification on him. It was probably in the pants that he lost. (laughs) He couldn't remember who he was, so he created the name Benjamin Kyle from the initials BK for Burger King. Um, Kyle has vague memories of growing up in Indianapolis and of living in Denver at some point, and he remembers that he was born exactly 10 years before Michael Jackson, but his identity has never been uncovered. Um, Genealogist Colleen Fitzpatrick said in 2015 that she was on the verge of finding someone who is a DNA match to Kyle, uh, but he inexplicably inexplicably, cut ties with her right after she made that announcement. (laughs) It appears he's happier not knowing where he's from. Hmm. Or he kind of remembers. Yeah. And doesn't, I don't know. I'm always a skepticist, you know, like he might remember and just doesn't want to, you know, deal with. Right. Especially because from 2004 to 2015, some of it might've come back, you know, of course. Yeah. And he might not want to like say that he knows. So Mm -hmm. anyways, Um, it's like the whole like identity fraud but like wiping it, you know, it's like the exact opposite of identity fraud, you know, like you just come up with a new one because you don't want the old one, you know? Right. Um, This one is titled a rare brain infection. Um, It says Clive Waring was a British 
musician and conductor before his brain was infected with herpes encephalitis in 1985. The infection caused him to forget most events from his past and reduced his short-term memory sprint memory span, not span, to about 20 seconds <laughs> to have both retrograde, um, the loss of past memories, and anterograde, um, the inability to create new memories. Amnesia is extremely rare. Um, Waring can still play the piano beautifully, and though he does not remember being married to his wife, whom he married a year before his memory loss, he's still adamantly in love with her and always greets her ecstatically. <laughs> um, so that's cute. You know, he's like, I don't know who you are, but hey! <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, it says the couple renewed their wedding vows in 2002. Um, um, this is the real life Jason Bourne. Um, it says, this is the real person on whom the character Jason Bourne was based. Um, Ansel Bourne was a preacher from Rhode Island who was supposed to visit his sister in Providence in January of 1887, but instead withdrew his entire savings and went to Norristown, Pennsylvania. There he opened a general store and started a new life as a confectioner named Albert J. Brown. Um, two months later, in March, he woke up with no idea how he ended up in Pennsylvania and no memory of his time spent there. He returned home as Ansel Bourne and never became Albert J. Brown again, although the psychologist who studied him when he returned home did evoke the Albert J. Brown, er, yeah, did evoke the Albert J. Brown persona when they put Bourne under hypnosis. Huh. A little strange. Yeah. Like, maybe not amnesia, but like split personality type thing and like the one just took over and the other one never came back. Oh, that's, that's so crazy. Thing. Yeah, like, that is a thing. You know, like, I mean, I don't know if it's a thing that they don't come back, but I know there's people that do have like multiple personalities. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, depending on what they're having to deal with, that personality will like come out to take care of it. But they have like different names and everything. It's like, oh, you're talking to this person now, or oh, you're talking to this person now, which would be a little bit unnerving, not going to lie. Oh, it'd be crazy. Yeah. Like it would be interesting to talk to somebody who has multiple personalities, but I feel like I wouldn't be able to keep up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I would be confused all the time. Um, anyways, so, um, this one is spontaneously Swedish. <laughs> it says in 2013, Michael Boatwright was found unconscious at a motel six in Florida. He was easily identified because he had several forms of ID on him, but when he woke up in the hospital, he had no memory of being Michael Boatwright, and despite the fact that he'd lived in America his entire life, he spoke only Swedish. <laughs> huh. um, he answered to the name Johan Eck. Um, or, sorry, doctors believe Eck's amnesia was induced by stress. A friend of his said that he was at the motel looking for work, and he was found with amnesia after the motel turned him down. Um, Eck decided to move to Sweden and start a new life there. Um, unfortunately, he died in 2014, um, so a year later. Um, okay. This one is time travel with amnesia. Um, it says, Naomi Jacobs woke up one morning in 2008 thinking that she was 15 when she was actually 32. She also did not recognize her son who lived in the house with her. Her last memory was falling asleep in her bunk bed, uh, which she shared with her sister when she was a teenager. Uh, doctors attributed Jacob's amnesia to stress. Uh, the amnesia only lasted for about two months after which her life returned to normal. Oh, that's good. So, you know, it was just, she got stressed out, but everything calmed down. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one is a mysterious novelist. 
Um, it says, yep, the same Agatha Christie who wrote all of those great mystery novels. Um, in December of 1926, Christie disappeared for 11 days. Uh, the morning after she was last seen in her own home, a car or her car was found about an hour away. Uh, she was ultimately found at a hotel where she was staying other, under the name Teresa Neal. Um, she claimed she couldn't remember how she had gotten there. Some people think Christie's or Christie faked the whole episode as a publicity stunt. Um, Teresa Neal was not a random name. It was the name of the woman her husband was having an affair with. Oh, no. Um, it is possible, however, that the stress of her mother's death, which had occurred recently, and her failing marriage caused her to temporarily lose her memory or temporarily lose her memory. Um, That's sad. But then, like, why would you call yourself somebody that you know? if you don't know anything about yourself yeah you know like that's a little eh, you know i could see maybe it's a publicity stunt yeah <laughs> or a way to sneakily call out her husband and be like i know who this is by the way <laughs> yeah but yeah or she was pretending that she was her so that way she could catch him and then she got caught doing trying to pull one over on him and so she was just pretending she had amnesia <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> wait what no this is who i am really i don't know and then like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, maybe i mean she's a writer so she could be creative that way <laughs> that's true <laughs> um so this is patient woe it's w-o um, it says a British man known only as William or patient woe um, went in for a root canal on March 14th in 2005. The last thing that he remembers is being injected with the anesthesia for the procedure. Since then, he has only been able to retain new memories for a maximum of 90 minutes. He constantly reverts back to thinking the date is March 14th, 2005. Um, scientists have no idea what caused William's amnesia. Um, he, shows, he shows no signs of brain damage. Um, one theory is that the memory loss could be due to a breakdown of protein synthesis in the brain. So like the anesthesia broke down the proteins in his brain or something. I don't know. Yeah. God, that would suck. I would. Yeah. I mean, it could have, I mean, if that's the only thing like that happened was the last thing he remembers is the needle. Right. Anesthesia. Like I could see where maybe that flipped some switch in there, you know? Yeah. But this one um, is a remarkable disappearance, twice. <laughs> um, it says this might be the weirdest one of all. In October of 1985, Jody Roberts disappeared from Tacoma, Washington. Hey, not too far. Um, five days later, she turned up in Denver where she had no clue who she was. At the time, nobody knew the woman in Denver with amnesia was the missing woman from Washington. Um, with no cure for her amnesia and no family claiming her, she changed her name to Jane D and started a new life. She ended up moving to Alaska where she got married and had four children. Uh, 12 years after she went missing, someone recognized her and she was finally reunited with her parents with whom she was grateful to reconnect even though she still didn't remember them. Here's the weirdest part. A few weeks after the reunion, Jane slash Jody disappeared again, leaving behind her husband and children. Nobody has been able to reach her parents to ask what happened because their phone numbers have been disconnected. Hmm. Perhaps she'll turn up at some point with another family. <laughs> That's suspicious. That's really suspicious. Huh. Um, this one says Raymond Robbins or Reynolds Rogers. <laughs> That's a hard sentence to say. 
Um, it said Raymond Robbins um, was an organized labor advocate who worked closely with the federal government. Um, in September of 1932, he was supposed to meet up with President Herbert Hoover, but never showed up. About a month and a half later, he was found living under the name Reynolds H. Rogers in a small town in North Carolina. Um, apparently, he got to North Carolina a week after he disappeared, claiming to be a miner from Kentucky. <laughs> he got a place in a boarding house and spent most of his time prospecting until a 12-year-old boy recognized him from a picture in the paper. Robbins was reunited with his wife, of whom he had no memory, but after going through psychiatric treatment, he finally started to remember his old life. Um, doctors think his amnesia was caused by stress. Well, that's politics for you. <laughs> yep. Well, stressful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for everybody involved. <laughs> um, this one is the missing minister. It says, um, Barr Cox was a minister in San Antonio with a wife and six-month-old daughter when he went missing in 1984. His car was found wrecked and abandoned on a rural, rural, uh, rural road. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> Along with the contents of his wallet. He wasn't seen again until 2000 when someone recognized him working at a gay church in Dallas. Um, he was still a minister, but his, name's, his name was now James Simmons. Um, Cox claimed that he was beaten and found passed out in the trunk of a car in a junkyard and was taken to a hospital where he was in a coma for two weeks and then woke up with no memory of who he was. However, police couldn't find any hospital records to verify his story and witnesses say they saw him riding a motorcycle, which Cox never mentioned. Um, the media cast doubt on the story, posting, or basically the theory is that Cox created the amnesia to, um, or in order to start a new life after discovering he was gay. Yeah. Like, That's I'm sense. just going to pretend I don't know who I am and leave, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which, okay, like, fine, but just come to terms with it and then move on, you know? Don't, yeah, don't do that to your family. No. Mm-mm. Like, ugh, you want to live a life you want to live, great, but don't screw up other people's lives because of it. Yeah, know? exactly. Don't go missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one is every day is her wedding day. Um, it says, this is the real life version of 51st States with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Um, Michelle Philpotts, uh, suffered her or suffered head trauma in two traffic accidents, which were five years apart. Her head trauma led to an anterograde amnesia, uh, which is the one that she can't remember. She can't make new memories. Okay. Um, she wakes up every morning thinking that it's 1994, the year she lost her ability to make new memories. She forgets everything she did the day before, unless she writes it down. Um, Phil Potts' husband has uh, to show her their wedding photos every day to remind her that they are married. Oh, jeez. I mean, that is like 51st dates. Yeah. Like, by the way, we're married. You have a kid. Um, come outside when you're ready to deal. You know, like. <laughs> right. God, that would be so crazy. That would be, yeah, that would be something else. That's for sure. Um, this one is woke up on a subway train. Um, it says in July of 2003, Doug Bruce walked into a New York City police station and told an officer that he woke up on a subway train with no idea how he got there and no idea who he was. Um, officers found a phone number in his backpack and called it. Uh, the woman who answered the phone said the man's name was Doug Bruce, a wealthy British citizen who moved to New York to pursue photography. Um, Doug Bruce has yet to recall any details about his life and, exp and experts have been unable to identify what caused his amnesia. Uh, the strangest part of the story, perhaps too strange to be a coincidence, is that Bruce had a friend who briefly suffered from amnesia because of an injury during a soccer game. 
Um, some think this indicates Bruce, Bruce's fakiness condition, <laughs> not Bruce, Bruce. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but nobody knows why a successful man like him would do such a thing. Hmm. Um, this one is World War I wounded. Um, it says Octave Monjoin. Uh, I probably said that wrong. Um, was a French man who went off to fight in World War II or World War One and never came back. Um, in 1914, he was wounded and taken prisoner. He spent three point or three and a half years in prison camps and was finally sent back to France in 1918. Um, but Monjoin's family never found out that he was back because his paperwork was lost. He was found wandering around a railway platform in Lyon, France, with no um, recollection, or re <laughs> <laughs> recollection of how he got there or anything else about his life. Apparently, my recollection of human, you know, language is not great. Oh, you're fine. You're <laughs> fine. Um, it says authorities heard his name was Anthelm Mangin. <laughs> Uh, when he muttered it to them, um, which started them off on the wrong foot for finding out where he belonged. He went from insane asylum to insane asylum until he was identified by sheer luck in 1930. <laughs> um, the saddest part of the story is that Mon Monjoin was never reunited with his family. Um, when judicial officers dropped him off in his hometown to see what he would do, he went directly to his father's house, but failed to recognize his father when he saw him. Um, the officers took this to mean that he could not really be Octave Monjoin and was taken back to a mental institution where he died in 1942. Oh, that is the saddest thing I've ever heard. I hate it. Like, he had no idea who he was. Why wouldn't you go by, like, the other, like, his father saying, yeah, that's my kid, rather than him going, oh, yeah, I don't know who this person is, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, that, uh, the whole thing seems suspicious to me yeah you know like weird. they might have i i think that there's a slight um oh well he's been in an insane asylum forever and we don't want to like put him out in the population so we're just gonna come up with a reason to keep him sort of thing you know mm -hmm. yeah stuff like that i'm sure happened you know mm -hmm. <laughs> but um the man with dissociative fuge fugue fuge fugue Fugue. Okay. I was like, I don't know what that was. Yeah. Um, this is uh, Jeffrey Allen Ingram has a rare disorder, dissociative fugue. Um, it causes his memory to suddenly wipe, leaving him with no idea who he is. Um, Ingram's first major attack came in 1995. Um, on his way to a grocery store in Denver, he vanished and then turned up in Seattle Hospital nine months later. In 2006, Ingram disappeared again and wrote to Canada to visit a sick friend. Um, this time, his panic spurred him uh, to seek help on national television. Um, Ingram went on the air asking anyone who recognized him to get in contact. Um, his family eventually arranged for him to return home. Um, Ingram had another bout of amnesia in 2007. Um, today, his wife Penny helps him remember the details of their life together. He told her, if I lose my memory again, I will still love you. I will always love you. Aww. Aww. So the last one is a spontaneous road trip. Um, it says, on April 9th, 2011, Amber Gerwick um, disappeared from her home in Jackson, Mississippi. Or no. Yeah. Um, I was like, am I? Mississippi. Yes. <laughs> I like, yes. Ah! <laughs> Actually, I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Missouri is MS, right? I think so. Yes. Now I feel like I don't know. Whatever. Well, let's move on. on. <laughs> um, she apparently drove to Georgia and then came back to 
Joliet, um, Illinois. Um, after Gerwick had been missing for nearly a month, she walked into a police station saying she had no idea who she was. Uh, the mother of four was eventually reunited with her family. Um, specialists say bouts of amnesia like the one experienced by Gerwick are incredibly rare um, and think it might have been brought on by trauma. Um, Gerwick has recovered some memories of the time before her disappearance, though she hasn't spoken about them publicly. Mm. So, all sorts of fun amnesia stories. And it yeah. looks and it sounds like most of them are like, oh, it's probably just stress. <laughs> I didn't actually know that you could get amnesia from stress and that really freaks me out being a highly stressed out person. Well, I'm sure that if, you know, you've been kind of at this similar level for a long time, it's probably not going <laughs> to, something would have happened by now. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm managing. Yes. I'm not, go. I'm See? not, yeah, I'm doing okay, but, yeah. but that still freaks me out. Yeah. Well, just don't, don't think about it too much. <laughs> just one more fear. <laughs> I know, right? I might get amnesia. But here's the thing, is that even if you did, my guess is that you somebody would figure out sooner rather than later that you were gone and be able to track you down, hopefully. You know? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And nowadays, I mean, phone, oh, Steve's like, hello. <laughs> nowadays, phones have like GPS and all that sort of stuff in there to where they can like follow you and track your phone so like that's true you know they oh geez steve just tried to jump into my lap and almost move faucet himself right over the edge huh. <laughs> um but yeah so uh what was your or aspect moment from this week okay so um eric doesn't wear cologne like ever which is totally fine but mm -hmm. um I got him this sampler. Um, it's like a four pack sampler from Target mm -hmm. because, you know, I kind of want him to smell good sometimes. And mm -hmm. I just thought it would be fun to try. Mm -hmm. And so we've been spraying him like, so there's four scents. So we've been spraying them on his like forearms and then like, he'll like rub his arms together, like his inner arms together mm -hmm. and you know, whatever. And he's been fine. And we've loved like all four of the scents we've, we've, yeah really good so I was like okay I'm gonna order I, I so I looked for the individual scents and you mm -hmm. can't buy them that's dumb it is dumb pack. it's it's like yeah they're like on clearance now but the sampler packs aren't so I was like okay so I'll just go buy him a couple more sampler packs and then you know he'll have four cents to play with and mm -hmm. whatever so um we, since we've been spraying him on his forearms we decided to try spraying it on his neck mm -hmm. yesterday because um, I want to, you know, I want to shove my face in his neck and sniff him a bunch of times. <laughs> Breathe it in. <laughs> yeah. I thought that would be enjoyable for both of us. <laughs> yeah. So we sprayed his neck and everything was fine. And then half an hour later, he's like, Lynn, Lynn, look at my neck. And he had this huge rash. <laughs> oh, no. That doesn't yeah. make any sense why it wouldn't rash up on his forearms and it would on his neck. I know I don't get it so you had to take a bunch of Benadryl and like passed out and like <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was not a fun day for him because he had to work after that and you know his Ooh. neck was all itchy but yeah, yeah why why would it do it on his neck and not his forearms I mean I'm I in kinda... skin but like you would think it would do something to his forearms yeah nothing it's he's been totally fine so, I mean, at least we can still use it because I just have like three packs of them now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but 
but um he was like he said that sometimes like the first time you try something that you're allergic to you don't have a reaction to it and then the second time you do yeah so is, is is that a thing I don't know I don't know I mean I know that like your allergies can change so like I knew someone one time that ate a bunch of strawberries when he was a kid yeah and then like and was totally fine nothing and then one day he like went out and I guess his grandma like grew strawberries or something in the backyard he went out and picked one and ate it and like blew up like anaphylactic and so but and I know like sometimes things can get better or worse over time like Mm -hmm. sometimes they go away sometimes they you know you develop new ones throughout your life so I I don't know yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll have to spray him down like his arms again and see if it happens to his arms. Yeah. So yeah, if it does, it might, not. it might just be on his neck that he's having the reaction to it for some reason. Yeah. So I know it's so weird. So if it does do it to his arms then I'm just going to give him to you and you can give him to Travis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. That's the plan. <laughs> what was your rigid or aspect moment? So mine it was pretty funny. So last night I was, um, so at Travis's house, he's got, um, hardwood floors and there's like a little carpet runner for part of it. That's, um, in the hallway. And I was playing with Steve with his feather toy that I got him and I kind of like drug it down the hallway and he came running down the hallway, hit, (laughs) hit the carpet, kind of slid a little bit on it, kept going eventually hit the bathroom tile and like (laughs) scrambled around and then went ah and like jumped into the tub because he couldn't stop (laughs) and so then he just stands there he like jumped into the tub and stood there and looked at me like what just happened you know (laughs) he like went so fast down the hallway he couldn't stop and had to hop into the tub to like slow himself down so just like hitting the side of the tub or something and I was just like how do you how do you function? You know, <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah, I he, wish I could have seen that. It, it was pretty cute, but he just like looked stunned when he was standing and he didn't move. He didn't talk. He did nothing. He just looked stunned just standing there in the tub. Like, why am I in here? I don't like tubs. I don't like baths. Why am I doing this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever decided to do. He's probably looking like, please don't turn on the water, you know? Yeah. But that's so funny. He's like, do not give me a bath. This is not an invitation. <laughs> He's like, I didn't mean for it. Please don't please. No. <laughs> yeah. And then he like got out and like, kept playing with the toy or whatever, but he didn't do it again. He, he slowed down <laughs> going down the hallway after that. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. But yeah, that, that was it. Nothing super crazy, but he was a little bit of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> <clears throat> well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out or visit our Facebook page, Idgits and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. You can also find us on Instagram. Thanks again. Thank you.